Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're so glad that you're able to be with us today and excited about the things of the Lord. Praise God. I am excited about what's happening at Spirit of Grace Church. I'm thankful that I can know him and I'm thankful for each one of you that join us on Wednesday nights online and uh, in service on Sundays. God's doing a mighty, mighty work and we're thankful for it. I am hoping that my voice holds out today and I'm hoping that this dry weather, we I feel like sometimes I could just go sit in the humidifier and it would really help. But uh, we're just so dry and uh, I'm, I've got a lifesaver in, I've got water, we're going to try to get through this tonight because I do want to just share something with you from my heart out of the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the, the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. And then I want you to notice the, the story. Most of you probably know he sent the storm to where the ship was just about ready to break apart. And uh, he tells the, the men, uh, they, they're in a panic. And he says, cast me over the side because uh, the reason I'm the reason why uh, we're in the midst of this. And then he said, in verse number 10, the second half, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord uh, because he had told them that. And then the storm gets worse because they don't want to throw him overboard for nothing, but the storm gets worse and worse. Finally, they, they throw him overboard. The, the storm calms. And the Bible says in verse 17 that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And I want to share with you tonight what happens when you run from the presence of the Lord. I believe he wants us to run to him. I believe that we are in this season of life in 2022 where God is desiring the children of the Lord and the church of the Lord to run to him, to recognize his presence in everything. And I want you to notice in the passage here that it doesn't say Jonah was running from God because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. We can assume some of that. We can look at, at the concept of the conversation and gather that that's part of the reason why he didn't go. But it says that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And when you flee from the presence of the Lord, it's always going to be problematic. And it's going to be, uh, the, the Lord never, it's not a problem for the Lord. He knows where you're at. And I believe that there are some here that are trying to figure out how to draw closer to the Lord. However, there's some, I believe, that don't even recognize that they're fleeing from the presence of the Lord because the task that the Lord has given them seems to be so large. 
Again, I apologize for my voice. We're trying to make it through tonight. I, I believe this. I believe a lot of people don't even recognize that they're running from the presence of the Lord because they're simply running from what God has asked them to do. They have mistaken the presence with the task. And the task for Jonah was to go into Nineveh. But the task was where the presence of the Lord already was. If God is calling you to do something, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you don't really want to do it, he's calling you that direction because that's where he's already at waiting for you to arrive. And Jonah, whether it be from bitterness and we just the history of the people of Nineveh and the Assyrians and, and all of those things, uh, you can understand even some why uh, Jonah probably disliked them, probably had some bitterness toward them, probably uh, even had some hatred for them, probably didn't think that they deserved God's forgiveness. But when, when Jonah ran from what God asked him to do, he wasn't running from the task. The Bible says he was running from the presence. And when you run from the task that God has given you, you're really running from the presence. Sometimes the task seems to be too big. Sometimes we wonder, well, God, really, do you want me to do that? that that's beyond my ability. That's beyond my, who's going to listen to me? Who's going to do this? And how am I going to manage that? that that's, that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not in my talent structure. But if God is saying, this is what I want you to do, can I just share a secret? He's not just wanting you to do the task. He understands that in the task, you're going to find him. I want to say that again, because a lot of times we are, we tend, a lot of us, a lot of people tend to be task-oriented people. How many have ever had a to-do list? And we, and we want to mark them down when we finish, and we feel like we've accomplished something when we finish. But when God asks us to do the task, it's not for the purpose of the task, it's for the purpose of his presence. He knows that his presence is going to be found. He is going to be found in the midst of the task. So don't ever shy away from what God is attempting to get you to do or ask you to do because what he's really doing is he's saying, come to me. This is where I am right now. I am in this task for you. I'm in this situation. Jonah, I am already in Nineveh waiting for you to get there so that when you get there, you will intercept or interconnect with me and I will empower you to spread the word of the Lord to the city of Nineveh. And so there's some things I want us to understand today. And simply, the first one is this. You can run from the presence of God, but you'll never hide from the presence of God. I remember with... Uh, uh, knowing that we were in trouble as kids, we would always try to hide from mom and dad. But mom and dad knew exactly where we were and they just waited till we came out and then we got in trouble. When you run from the presence of God, know this, he is omnipresent. He is already in your disobedience. He's already there. You're just not sensing him. You're just not, uh, you're, you're just not experiencing his presence because his presence is going to connect with you when you step into the area that he's calling you into. The Bible said this, uh, Jesus said this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even unto the end. There's no um, qualifications to that. There's no 
conditions to that. He just said, I'm with you. So if you're walking in the wrong direction and you're walking away from the presence of God, he's still there. But what you're walking away from is the connectedness to his presence. When you feel like you're all alone, could it be that you're walking away from what he's trying to do in you? And so you can't hide from him. Uh, and the reason why you can't hide from him is something else that you need to know. God doesn't give up. God's not a quitter. Since the beginning of time, God has had a plan to try to reach each and every one of us. And so forget about God giving up. He's going to, in fact, the Bible says this. It's something that we don't think about very often in the 23rd Psalm. I want to say it's the fifth verse, but it's down towards the end. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Um, that word follow isn't being dragged behind. That word follow is the word pursue. So the, the psalmist is, is revealing to us that the presence of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God is chasing us all the days of our life. It's pursuing us. He doesn't give up. You might as well recognize that from this day forward, when you come into contact with him and you recognize him for the first time, he's never giving up on you. In fact, he's never giving up on you before you interacted with him. <coughs> I apologize again for my voice. And so because God never gives up on us, we have to understand that he's going to do whatever he can to get you to respond to him. Okay? And what I mean by that is, Sometimes we give the devil credit for things that he doesn't do. Sometimes we give the, our, our, our flesh, our humanity, credit for things that it really doesn't do. Sometimes God causes some problems for us. Notice that it was God that, that stirred up the wind. In verse number four, the Bible says, the Lord hurled a great wind. Can you imagine that? God takes a whirlwind and throws it onto a sea in the midst of these ships. And all of the ships are suffering because of the storm that the Lord sends for one person. Jonah was not going to be given up on. And because God wasn't going to give up on, others were going to be affected. But so, so God allows the storms of our life sometimes to really benefit us, to redirect us, to give us a, it's more than just a nudge, it's, he gives us a push, he hurls a storm at us, some of the storms we face in life are not because the devil is fighting us, I, I know there's, there's a, a vast thought out there that, that the devil is just fighting us all the time, 24-7, and the spirit of the enemy is all around us. And, and while that may be true in some cases, um, I, I, I believe if we opened our eyes a little bit more and recognized, oftentimes God sends the storm in order to get our attention and to draw us back to his presence and to draw us back to who he is. In fact, the storm in this story and the fish in this story are actually instruments of redemption and reconciliation 
where normally you and I would consider a storm or getting swallowed by a fish uh, a detriment, if you will. We, we would think it would be an act of the enemy against us, a, a spiritual attack when all it really is is God using them as an instrument to get our attention because he doesn't give up on us. And because he doesn't give up on us, you can't hide from him. You can try to run, but you can't hide. And you may not even be, uh, your running may not necessarily be a disobedient type thing. You may just be fear, fearful or freaked out because God's asking you to do something that you think is above you and beyond you and you don't have the abilities to do it. My friend, if God is asking you to do it, he's asking you to do it because if you'll step into it, he's already there to empower you. And if if you shy away from it, because we understand that God's a gentleman. God's not going to force, but God's going to send a whole lot of stuff your way to try to draw you and redirect you and reset your compass so that your compass and your redirection is set in the line that he wants you to walk in. So sometimes it's God that's allowing the others. But, and here's the thing. I wish we were all perfect. We've all done this. So as I'm teaching this, and as I'm sharing this with you, my mind is just kind of going around in circle of times where, man, if I would have just done it the way that God was impressing me to do it, how much better would it have been? Yeah, he's still blessed and he's still honored and he still loves and he still cares. But I had to go through some rough times simply because I wouldn't didn't do it the way he wanted me to do it in the beginning. And uh, thankfully, you come out on the other side, but... Man, there's a lot of things that happen in that in-between. When you're running from the presence of God or the, the task that God has or the call that God has on you and you try to run from it, there's a lot of people that get affected or get hurt by it. I want you to think about that. We see this one ship. Now, he says, the Bible says he hurled a great wind on the sea so that there was a tempest on the sea so that the ship would almost break up. Now, many people, if you were knew the day and the age of, of, of and where this was all taking place, that could not have been the only ship on the sea that day. There had to be others. And so all the other ships as well as this ship were now dealing with a storm that was directed by God because of Jonah. And my question to you today is how many other people are being tossed on that storm that was sent to you because you were running from his presence? You see, we don't dwell in humanity. We don't dwell on our own. We dwell among others and we're all interconnected. And so when, we, when I don't listen to God and I don't follow the presence of the Lord, then you're affected. When you don't, then I'm affected. We're all affected from our decisions about following the presence of the Lord. I want to be so in tune with him so that and so courageous and strong in faith that when he says, Tim, do this, I, I do it. It should be enough just so that I could say that he would be pleased. I, it should be enough just to say it so that I could get a hold of him. But even beyond that, I don't want to cause somebody else to go through a storm that is created on the behalf of God trying to get me 
to do what God wants me to do. I hope that makes sense to somebody today. I don't want to have others get hurt. I don't want them to suffer. These men in this ship were in a panic simply because Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. Simply. And the other thing that you need to understand by this passage is that not all storms are just natural storms. We say sometimes it's just life. Well, sometimes it is, but it's not always just life. Sometimes the storm is God. The picture that I get is this. God sitting down in the mixing bowl of the world going like this and stirring everything up so that when we get stirred up, we reach for him. The, the next thing that I want you to, to realize is that the longer you run from God, the worse the storm will get. The longer you run from him, the worse the storm will get. Because he, like I said, he's not going to give up. And so it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse for you when you, have you ever just gone through that season where you're just on edge? Everything makes you angry. Everything sets you off. You're not comfortable in your own skin. Could it be that that's a season where you've run from what God is really calling you to do? And when I say calling you to do, it's not necessarily going and preaching to a city. It could be loving your neighbor. It could be simply reading the word. It could be singing a song. It could be teaching a Sunday school class. It could be greeting at the doors. It could be mowing the yard. It could be whatever it could be, walking a prayer walk in your, in, in, in your neighborhood. It, any number of things God is asking somebody to do, and, and we just don't do it, and, and we flee from it. What we're really doing is fleeing from his presence. And, and so the longer you avoid what God is asking you to do, the more difficult the storm is. Have you ever thought, man, God, why has this been so hard? Well, the harder he has to fight to get our attention, the worse it is for us. I mean, you think about it. Gideon went through the ups and downs of being called. Um, Elijah went through the ups and downs of being called and being in his presence, seeing great, great miracles and then being found under a tree, depressed and thinking he was the only one left. So there's all kinds of things that keep us from doing that. But the longer you do it, the worse it gets for you. It's, you know, you just want to look at some people and say, why, don't, why aren't you getting this? And I know why they're not getting it, because they're not equating the, the thing that God is asking you to step into to his presence. Because if I asked most people, do you want to be in the presence of the Lord? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I want to be in the presence of God. Okay, then do this. Oh, no, I can't do that. And, and, and so we have to understand that it's going to get uh, worse for us the longer we avoid what God is doing. But I want you to notice uh, something here that's in this passage, and it's a glimpse of how God operates. God will let it, think of Job, God will let it get so bad until the point where God steps in and his grace is made evident. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Your sin, your escape plan, your running from the presence of God 
will never negate, will never overwhelm, will never outstrip, that will never do anything that God's grace cannot overcome. It doesn't matter how many times you try to run, his grace will be there. Goodness and mercy are going to pursue you. And his grace is always sufficient. The New Testament says where sin abounds, that's where grace does much more abound. Where you struggle, his, you're not negating his grace. See, I think there's some people in this world that have read scripture and they think that they've just messed up and they said, well, I've messed up so bad that God can't, can't I'm useless to God now. No, 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 no. You're, you're still right smack dab in the middle of God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. In fact, the Bible says when we are weak, he is then strong. Don't let your misperceptions of your weakness and your strengths hinder you from letting God work in you because God's grace is at work. God's presence is at work trying to get your attention, trying to get you to, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. There again, it's not he can accomplish anything he wants and just by speaking it. But when he's asking us to do something, he's asking us to do it because that's where he wants to meet us. That's where he wants to connect with us. That's where he wants to commune with us. That's where he wants us to experience him and we have a relationship with him. In other words, <clears throat> the bottom line principle of this story is, is simply this. When you walk toward his presence, you are walking into his empowerment. And when you are running from his presence, you are triggering and igniting the storms of life to get you to turn back to his presence. So my question to you today is simply this. Do you want to dwell in his empowerment or do you want to dwell in his storm? What happens when you run from his presence? You have one of two options. You can live in his empowerment by staying close to him, doing whatever he says, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems like it's way too big for you, just say, hey, God's the one that asked me to do it. I'm going to do it. God's asked me to pray more. I'm going to pray more. God's asked me to give more. I'm going to give more. God's asked me to, to teach. God's asked me to greet. God's asked me to work. God's asked me to serve. God's asked me to be a neighbor to somebody. God's asked me to 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 uh, uh, walk into somebody's life with a tent, whatever it is. He's already there and he's already got the tools ready for you as you walk into it. God gives it to you. There's a, a, a passage in scripture that says that God will, will put the words in your mouth, so to speak, to a certain extent. And uh, I remember a former pastor of mine telling us, the story that he let this young guy preach, he had been bugging them to preach and bugging him to preach. And, and uh, so finally he said, okay, I'll let you preach. You preach this night. And the gentleman got up there and I don't know who this gentleman was, but he got up there and he began and nothing came out. He never said anything. I mean, it got awkwardly silent. And finally he closed his Bible, sat down and the pastor had to come up and uh, just minister on the fly, so to speak. And after church, the pastor looked at him and says, you've been bugging me to preach for, for how many weeks? And then I give you the opportunity to get up there and you, and you don't say anything. 
And, and this was his words to him. Well, God failed me. And the pastor looked at him and said, what are you talking about God failed you? Well, the Bible says that he would, if I would open my mouth, he'd put the words in. And, and when I got up there, there was nothing coming out. <laughs> and uh, obviously he misunderstood the concept or the context of what that scripture was saying. I, I, I believe this. I believe that 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 principle of that scripture, the principle of Jonah, and, and you can pick just about any other biblical character. When you step into his presence, he will always empower you to say, to accomplish, to do, to live, to be an example of the presence of God in that day, in that hour, in that moment. He will make you instant in season and out of season because you have been uh, yearning and hungering. It's when we've tried to uh, run or skirt the presence of God when we, we, when we don't want to do exactly what he wants. Listen, there, there's things that God have asked some of us to give up and to uh, turn our backs on, and, and we just don't want to do it because it would be hurt. It would be hard. It would be difficult. When you do that, what you're really saying is, I don't want his presence being empowered in my life. I want to do it my way. And when you do it your, your way, God's going to send a storm. But know this, when the storm comes, he's also going to send you a fish. You won't drown in the storm. You won't be destroyed in the storm. You will be reconciled in the storm. But your reconciliation will come through a fish, so to speak, instead of through his hand. Praise God. We are in this 100 days for glory. And it's my prayer that somebody, all of us, will recognize that the glory that we seek is simply the weight of his presence. I don't want to do what Jonah did. I don't want to, whether purposely or inadvertently, run from the presence of God because I don't want to have to run into a storm to get my direction recalibrated. I, I want to listen I want to hear, I want to obey, I want to move, I, I want to do what God wants us to do. Because if we do that, what we're really doing is stepping right into where he's at. And, and I close with this and just another analogy that I've heard and, and, and I hope it rings true to you tonight, today. And, and that is simply this. I don't want God to bless my river. I want God to reveal his river and let me jump in. I, I want to flow in his presence. I want to flow in his spirit, his flowing living water that springs forth from us is going in the direction that he wants it to go. And I don't want to hinder that. I just want to flow with that because wherever it takes me, he's already there. He's already prepared me for it. He's already prepared the situation for it. I believe this. What was the difference between the first time that Jonah didn't go to Nineveh to where he went to Nineveh? It, 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 there was real no difference. He was still used mightily of God. It's just that, think about not having to go through all the stuff that Jonah had to go through, all the stuff that the men had to go through. You go sit in the middle of a fish for three days and three nights and see how well you like it. I don't think I would. Praise God, I like my bed. Amen.
Praise God. I pray that we would all chase the presence of the Lord and, and seek the presence of the Lord. Would you just bow your heads with me tonight as we close? Thank you for your time. I, again, I apologize. My voice is getting better every day. And uh, by Sunday, we should be good to go. But uh, I'm thankful that you took the time to spend with the word of the Lord and with us tonight. We love you so very much. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I'm praying for each person in this audience tonight that you would just touch them, minister them, let them understand the presence of God. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor in your wonderful, precious name. Amen.